This is episode 397 of the AWS podcast, released on October 11th, 2020. Podcast confirmed. Welcome to the official AWS podcast. Hello everyone and welcome back to the AWS Podcast. Simon Leisha here with you. Great to have you back. And of course, I'm joined by Nikki Stone. G'day, Nikki. How are you doing? Hi, Simon. I'm doing good. Hopefully you're not too jet lagged over there. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm jet lagged at home because uh, daylight saving kicked in. So um, even though uh, I live in Melbourne, Australia, we haven't traveled anywhere for a long time and I can't even leave my house. Um, <laughs> yeah, still managed to get jet lagged. I don't know how I did that one. <laughs> it's okay. I'll be, it'll be me the end of the month. That's right, exactly. You'll be, you'll be doing enough traveling for both of us. <laughs> now, we have lots of cool updates to go through. So let's start with the topic of the AWS Marketplace. And the AWS Marketplace has launched a bunch of new features, including geofencing, which allows sellers to control availability by country. So you can now choose which particular countries you will support. And this is really important because sometimes uh, as an independent software vendor, you need to control where your software can be purchased for, for tax or compliance, support, or even marketing purposes. And so now you have the flexibility to create and surface your product offerings in line with your business needs across geographies, which is pretty nice. And speaking of nice, the AWS Marketplace also launched a discovery API, which makes it easier to discover relevant third-party software and data products. So if you consider that the uh, AWS Marketplace is now a curated digital catalog with over 8,000 software listings and data products, uh, now there is a discovery API. So it's a lot easier to find stuff programmatically which I think is, is very nice. Now, also today, the, uh, the Discovery API is integrated with Deloitte's Converge Health Minor Platform, DLT's Client Platform, Capgemini's 890 Platform, and Battlefin Ensemble Platform with more integrations on the way. And a couple more quick updates. Uh, the Marketplace has enabled ISV self-service authorization of consulting partners, so now you can indicate which partners can help you deploy or extend the particular piece of software you're using. And finally, Japanese sellers, consulting partners, and data providers are now available on the Marketplace and the AWS Data Exchange as well. So if you are a Japanese customer, this is great news for you. That's awesome. Moving on to the topic of analytics, AWS Lake Formation now supports Active Directory and SAML providers for Amazon Athena. So you can now use Active Directory with Lake Formation and uh, SAML identity providers such as Okta and Auth0 for Amazon Athena. You can easily manage data across or access for Athena users with fine-grained privileges using existing identity management tools. I love Auth0, so that one's an awesome one. Amazon Redshift Spectrum adds support for querying open source Apache Hootie and Delta Lake. Now use your Redshift cluster to run read queries against tables in your S3 data lake with open source Apache Hootie or Delta Lake. Apache Redshift Spectrum, which is a feature of Redshift, enables you to query your S3 data lake directly from your Redshift cluster without first loading the data into it, minimizing time to insight. That one is awesome if you use Apache Hootie and Delta Lake. Amazon Redshift announces support for hyper log log sketches. And yes, that's log log toys. <laughs> uh, so it has I was actually thinking support. when I was reading this one, when I was reading this one, Nikki, is that if, if, if hyper log log generates a log, does that mean you have to check the hyper log log log? <laughs> oh my God, and you have to say it three times. Can you say that three times fast? <laughs> Can you the just log, log, log. turning to your, turning to your uh, coworker? Can you check the hyper log log log? <laughs> <And> what? 
Deary me. People think you go crazy. Sorry, it is a good update. It just the name was like, is that two logs or one log? It's it's two logs. Hyperloglog log is an algorithm that efficiently estimates the approximate number of distinct values in a data set. Hyperloglog log sketch is a construct that encapsulates the information about the distinct values in the data set. And you can use these sketches to achieve significant performance benefits for queries that compute approximate cardinality over large data sets with an average relative error between 0.01 and 0.6%. That's not bad. Hyperloglog. It's very cool. It's a, it's like fa- fast estimation, uh, which is very cool. The uh, Amazon managed streaming for Apache Kafka or MSK has launched a few things. Firstly, there's a new masterclass and AWS Labs to help you get going with the service and, and hone your skills on best practices. You get six hours of hands-on learning in the most comprehensive content available for Amazon MSK. So you can get up and running very, very quickly. And that team has been busy at work and they've introduced the ability to automatically expand cluster storage. So this makes it easy for you to continuously right-size a storage provisioning. So using application auto-scaling policies, you control both the target cluster storage utilization threshold and a maximum storage limit. And these policies will automatically trigger cluster-wide storage expansion by the required amount when the storage utilization threshold is exceeded. And finally on that one, uh, Amazon MSK now has support for Apache Kafka version 2.5.1 for both new and existing clusters. And this includes several bug fixes, new features, including encryption in transit support for Apache Zookeeper and admin clients and a whole bunch of other goodness. Now it's even easier to connect JetBrains IDEs to Amazon RDS or Redshift databases. So with the most recent release of the toolkit for JetBrains, customers can now connect to Amazon RDS or Redshift with just a couple of clicks. And using these toolkits, you can use both IAM or credentials in Secrets Manager to connect to Redshift or RDS databases. And you no longer need to have long-lived database credentials or copy and paste auth tokens from the CLI. Credentials are generated by the toolkit as they are needed instead of being saved to disk. So that's awesome. Customers can use database features with DataGrip and other JetBrains IDEs such as IntelliJ, which they use every day, PyCharm, WebStorm, and Writer. Sounds an awesome update. Amazon Elasticsearch nice. Service now offers T3 instances. So that's the latest T3 instances, which offer superior performance and larger storage capacity compared to the previous generations. The T3 instances also support recently launched features like encryption at rest and in flight, role-based access control, HTTP compression, custom dictionary, SQL alerting, anomaly detection, and cross-cluster search. Whew, that was, <laughs> I don't know. That, that one got me too. That's easy for you to say. <laughs> cross-cluster search. So you can now provision up to 5.7 times more EBS storage per instance, which lets you index more data with fewer instances and gain additional cost savings. Further savings are available uh, via reserved instances for the T3 medium. So that's uh, T3 instances on Elasticsearch. And lastly here, they've announced AWS Glue Studio, which is visual job authoring and advanced monitoring for Glue. It's a visual interface for AWS Glue that makes it easy for extract, transform, and load developers to author, run, and monitor Glue ETL jobs. You can use a simple visual interface to compose jobs that move and transform data and run them on AWS Glue. This sounds really cool. You can then use Glue Studio's job run dashboard to monitor ETL execution and ensure that your jobs are operating as intended. That's really awesome if you've ever done ETL before. Very nifty. Moving on to the topic of application integration and AWS AppSync 
now supports AWS WAF. So now you can integrate your WAF into your GraphQL APIs. Uh, so this is easy for you to protect your APIs against common web exploits. So AWS WAF is a web application firewall that helps you protect your web applications from common web exploits that can affect your application availability, compromise security, or consume excessive resources. So the ability to protect your AppSync GraphQL APIs against attacks like SQL injection and cross-site scripting and all the other stuff we have to deal with um, makes life a bit easier. Amazon EventBridge Schema Registry now has support for JSON Schema. So now customers can validate, annotate, and manipulate JSON documents conforming to JSON Schema Draft for specification. And you now have access to more specifications when creating schemas and can use JSON Schema to create strongly typed events. You can also implement use cases such as client-side validation using a JSON Schema validator before pushing or publishing, I should say, events onto the event bridge bus. So it gives you lots more flexibility there. Moving on to the topic of blockchain, one quick update. QLDB has launched index improvements. So you can create indexes on non-empty tables. And indexes accelerate data retrieval. And previously, all indexes needed to be created at the time of table creation. But now you can create them later on. And as customer data volume grows, new data access patterns are required to obviously meet business and performance requirements. Customers can now utilize these index improvements to build new indexes on their existing tables, which offers, again, flexibility. Which we like. Moving on to the topic of compute. Adipus Batch now supports custom logging configurations, swap space, and shared memory. So now you can uh, get a better performance out of your scientific workloads, your research workloads. Basically, Adipus Batch dynamically provisions the optimal quantity and type of compute resources. This is GPU, CPU, memory optimized instances based on the volume and specific resources required by the batch jobs that you've submitted. And so you don't have to do any fiddling to make it work. Now, uh, with the swap space parameter, you can now control the use of swap space for your jobs. So this means that applications can use more memory than otherwise would be able to be accessed on the machine. Um, but of course you have high latency, but it depends on your particular use case. So lots of trimming and adjusting you can do there. VCPU-based spot instance limits are now available in Amazon EC2. So we've migrated the account limit for spot instances from being instance-based to being a VCPU-based limit experience. That's consistent to how EC2 works when you're using the on-demand mode. Another really exciting update is Amazon S3 on Outposts is now generally available, which means you can have object storage in your on-premises environment. Pretty big deal. Uh, so using the Amazon S3 APIs and features, S3 on Outposts makes it easy to secure, store, tag, retrieve, report on, and control access to data on your Outposts. Now remember that AWS Outposts is a fully managed service that extends your AWS infrastructure services and tools to virtually any data center or colo or on-premises facility. Gives you a consistent hybrid experience. Now S3 on Outposts gives you a new S3 storage class called S3 Outposts, cunningly named, uh, and it has the same APIs as I mentioned that you're used to using. And you can add 48 terabytes or 96 terabytes of S3 storage capacity to your Outposts and you can create up to 100 buckets on each Outpost. And then to get the data back into the region of your choice, you use AWS Data Sync, which will replicate natively across S3 into the S3 bucket into the regions of your choice. AWS Fargate has increased default resource count service quotas. 
So they've increased the default service quotas, also commonly known as the limits, for on-demand and spot resource counts. You can now launch up to 500 concurrent ECS tasks and EKS pods running on Fargate on-demand and 500 concurrent ECS tasks running on Fargate spot. This is up from 100 and 250, respectively. And these are the default quotas for an account in a given region, but you can always, of course, raise these values by requesting a service quota increase. Uh, moving on to the topic of cost management, uh, we've introduced AWS cost anomaly detection in preview. So now you can receive anomaly detection alert notifications with root cause analysis. So you can, of course, proactively take actions and minimize unintentional spend. Cost anomaly detection is backed by a machine learning model that is able to detect various types of anomalies uh, with minimal user intervention. And the model learns your historical cost and usage, as well as accounts for unique organic growth and seasonal trends. It goes even further by providing root cause analysis when possible, saving you from spending the time to research and investigate these anomalies when you find them. And then as part of the uh, AWS cost management suite, it is integrated with the cost explorer. So you can visualize and analyze your cost and usage as needed. That one is pretty cool. And uh, last here for this topic, queuing purchases of saving plans. Starting uh, now, you can queue purchases of saving plans by specifying a time of your choosing in the future to execute those purchases. Of course, our savings plan is a new pricing model that allows customers to save up to 72% on Amazon EC2, AWS Fargate, and AWS Lambda in exchange for making a commitment to a consistent amount of compute usage for a one or three year term. Now with this new ability to queue purchases, you can enjoy easier planning and uninterrupted savings plan coverage, which helps you save money on your overall bill. And then you can of course schedule those purchases in the future, which um, now you can conveniently renew your expiring savings plan or plan ahead of time for future events. Very nice. You don't have to be hovering over the keyboard ready to press that button. <laughs> Moving on to the topic of customer engagement and one of my favorite topics, of course, is price drops. And Amazon Connect has decreased outbound telephony rates by up to 50% in the Asia-Pacific so across a variety of different countries, including Australia, New Zealand, Philippines, and Singapore. It has also reduced international telephony rates for customers in North America as well. So, for example, uh, costs of calling Canada have been reduced by up to 63% and receiving calls from UK and Germany by up to 60%. So significant uh, reductions there. And also the outbound telephony rates have been reduced for the second time this year in Europe. So Portugal by up to 79%. Spain by 64, up to 64%, uh, Sweden 14% and a variety of others. So lots of reductions there, which is great. And Amazon Pinpoint has launched event-triggered journeys. Now you can now trigger journeys based on an event generated by a user or an endpoint. Now journeys are a multi-step campaign that can be executed across channels like SMS, email or push. And previously they could only be triggered from a segment of your customers who shared the same attributes. Triggering a journey based on an application event like adding a product to a cart or browsing to a specific page enables organizations to create a more customized experience for users and improves the chance of them completing a high value action. Moving on to the topic of database, Amazon Timestream is now generally available. 
TimeStream is a mm -hmm. new time series database for IoT, edge, and operational applications that can scale to process trillions of time series events per day, up to 1,000 times faster than relational databases, and at as low as a tenth of the cost. Of course, that's a lovely kicker right there. At only a we tenth like of the that. cost. <laughs> More scale, less money. <laughs> <laughs> TimeStream uh, saves customers effort and expense by keeping recent data in memory and moving historical data to a cost-optimized storage tier base upon user-defined policies. Its purpose-built query processing engine gives customers the ability to access and combine recent and historical data transparently across tiers with a single query without needing to specify explicitly in the query whether the data resides in the in-memory or cost-optimized tier. That's really, really cool. Definitely check it out if you are an IoT device user. AWS Launch Wizard now supports SQL Server always-on deployments on Linux. So with the Launch Wizard, you can now easily deploy SQL Server always-on availability groups on Ubuntu Server, making it easier for you to run SQL Server workloads on uh, Linux-based operating systems without the need to buy Windows Server licenses. We like saving money. It's a very good thing. Amazon Aurora PostgreSQL supports the PG Logical extension. Uh, so this is an open source PostgreSQL extension that lets customers replicate between independent Aurora PostgreSQL databases while maintaining consistent read-write access and a mix of private and common data in each database. So it uses logical replication to copy data changes around the place and optionally resolves conflicts based on standard algorithms. Not an easy thing to do. So that's a good capability. Uh, Amazon RDS for PostgreSQL now supports minor versions 12.4, 11.9, 10.14, 9.6.19 and 9.5.23. But the big one for me, because this one really uh, uh, tickles me in terms of uh, technological process is or progress, I should say, Amazon Aurora has increased the maximum storage size to 128 terabytes. That's Ooh. right. You can now create Amazon Aurora database clusters with up to 128 terabytes of storage. And this is available for both the MySQL and PostgreSQL compatible editions. And this is up from the existing limit or the previously existing limit, which was 64 terabytes. And just a brief diversion, back in the early 2000s, I was doing some work for a very large bank and they had a data warehouse, and this was considered a big data warehouse. It was 20 terabytes, <laughs> and it was stored on a Sun uh, E25K and EMC storage, and it cost millions and millions of dollars. And now, sitting on my couch at home on my little laptop, I can create a clustered database of up to 128 terabytes. It's like living in the future, Nikki. I feel like I can't even conceptualize how big that is. <laughs> it's like surreal. It's pretty damn big. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of other quick database updates before I continue to geek out on that one. Amazon RDS M6G and R6G instance types, which are powered by the AWS Graviton 2 processors, are in preview and now supported on more database versions. So you can test that out. It's a great way to get more bang for your buck. And Amazon DocumentDB with MongoDB compatibility adds the dollar out aggregation stage and increases the maximum number of connections and cursors as well. You can get up to 10x more performance depending on your configuration. Moving on to my favorite topic, developer tools. Uh, the AWS SDK for Java has announced the general availability of waiters. The waiters feature is an abstraction that enables you to validate that AWS resources such as DynamoDB tables or Amazon S3 buckets are in a specified state before performing operations on those resources. 
uh, when interacting, of course, with AWS APIs that are async, such as DynamoDB create table, you often need to wait for that particular resource to become available in order to perform further actions on it. And this waiter utility provides an easy API that pulls a resource until the state is reached or until it's determined that the resource will never enter into the desired state. That really prevents you so from good. writing a bunch of if-else if, uh, statements. <laughs> so much code. And you don't have to tip them either. <laughs> no, it's just, you just get it. It's just now available in the latest version of the SDK for Java, which is 2.x, whatever it is. Um, this is another interesting one. The AWS CRT HTTP client in the Java SDK has been released. And this new HTTP client is an asynchronous non-blocking HTTP client built on top of the Java bindings for the AWS common runtime. Customers can now choose to use the CRT HTTP client to benefit from features such as improved startup time, connection health checks, and post-quantum TLS support. So, you know, the uh, the engine inside the Java SDK, you can actually choose which client that you'd like to run it with. And so if you choose the common runtime client, you actually benefit from this increased startup time, which is really, really awesome. You should definitely check it out if you use the Java SDK. Mm, some goodies. Amazon ECS extensions for AWS CDK is now available in developer preview. Now, this is really interesting because ECS has extensions uh, for, they have, they built some other constructs before and they were awesome. I was obsessed with them. Looks like they have, they built even more constructs and these ones come with built-in extensions for AppMesh, FireLens, the CloudWatch Agent, X-Ray, HTTP Load Balancer, and CPU-based application auto-scaling. And then you can use these extensions to easily attach these functionalities to your ECS services without needing in-depth knowledge of how to provision and configure the integrations. So for example, you can automatically add the appropriate sidecar containers to your task, add IIM statements to your task role, and provision any external resources required. So the previous constructs that I'm talking about that were like awesome, I was obsessed with them, would basically help you spin up a load balanced container with like one line of the CDK. So now they've added additional extensions to basically add all the other stuff that comes with containers. You know, you might need X-Ray and CloudWatch and all this other stuff. Definitely check them out if you're a CDK user. Very, very nifty. AWS uh, Code Pipeline now supports GitHub Enterprise Server, so you can use that to deploy, build, test, and uh, and run your code changes using AWS Code Pipeline. Uh, and AWS Code Pipeline is a fully managed continuous delivery service that lets you automate your release pipelines for fast and reliable application and infrastructure updates. Gets you up and going pretty quick. And it now also supports Git clone for source actions. So with this new feature, when you create a connection to an external source provider in the source action code pipeline, will clone the Git repository to fetch the commit history and the metadata, which is very, very important. Amazon CloudWatch Synthetics has strengthened the end-to-end canary run debugging with X-Ray traces. Uh, so this lets you trace canary runs and determine the root cause of the failure. So a canary is basically a, a small test you're doing before you do a full rollout to make sure everything's okay. It kind of takes its cues from the whole coal mine story. When a canary has tracing enabled, traces are sent for calls made by the canary. And canaries with tracing enabled appear on the service map in both CloudWatch Service Lens and in AWS X-Ray, even when they don't send requests to other services or applications that have tracing enabled. So this is really useful to figure out what is going on if weirdness is happening. And final update in the developer tools, announcing the general availability of Amazon Credo 15. So this version supports the latest Java feature release, JDK 15, and it's available on Linux, Windows, and Mac OS. All the platforms. Love it. 
Moving on to the topic of end-user computing, Amazon Workspaces has introduced sharing images across accounts. So it's now really easy for you to share your workspace images across your AWS accounts, and you can share any images in one AWS account with another account with just a few clicks. This obviously helps you simplify and accelerate development of Amazon Workspaces with improving consistency, compliance, and security of your workspaces. Workspaces wasn't quite done. They've also released a self-guided workshop to deploy the end-user computing dashboard. Uh, so this workshop helps customers use AWS services to build and deploy the end-using computing dashboard. You can provide the dashboard to your help desk staff so that they can send the registration code email to a user or stop, start, restart, and restore a user's workspace without having to access the Workspaces console. And then lastly here, Amazon AppStream 2.0 releases a self-guided workshop to deploy the end-user computing dashboard. So AppStream has done the same thing as Workspaces, and they've released a self-guided workshop that enables you to use AWS services to build and deploy the end-user computing dashboard. And again, this end-user computing dashboard will help you view details for your AppStream 2.0 fleets, monitor auto-scaling activities, and manage user streaming sessions without having to access the AppStream console. Moving on to the topic of the Internet of Things, AWS IoT Core has added the ability to stream time series data to Amazon TimeStream. That would be a good place to put it. Uh, so now that we have Amazon TimeStream GA, you can now send your IoT data straight to it, which makes life a lot easier. There are also some new courses for AWS partners around governance, data analytics, migrations, and IoT. So if this is something of interest to you as a partner, you can enroll into that particular class and learn all about how to make the most of this new technology. Moving on to the topic of machine learning, you can now simplify your data management in Amazon Personalize with some new APIs. And what this means is it makes it easier for you to manage your growing item and user catalogs with new APIs for incrementally adding items and users in the data sets you use in Personalize to create the personalized recommendations. So you have more granularity of control. AWS DeepRacer has announced new community races updates. So AWS DeepRacer community races allows you to create your own race and invite your friends and colleagues to compete. And the DeepRacer console now supports object avoidance and head-to-bot races in addition to time trial racing formats, enabling racers at all skill levels to engage and learn about machine learning and, of course, challenge your friends because who doesn't want to compete? <laughs> There's no <laughs> uh, So whether or not you've competed in races before, hosting a community race is now something that you can also do to get started with DeepRacer and learning machine learning. And they're basically an exciting way for you to meet uh, fellow machine learning enthusiasts. And you can create your own private virtual race through the Deep Racer console. You can be an individual racer that just wants to compete with your friends or a business leader looking for new team building activities for your colleagues. And of course, in this day and age in the pandemic, what a better way to engage with your colleagues than uh, learn machine learning together. <laughs> in a virtual car race. <laughs> exactly. Sounds like fun. I kind of want to Racing robots. <laughs> Uh, moving on, Amazon Recognition Custom Labels now enables creating a single inference API to find diverse objects and scenes in images with high accuracy. So these custom labels allow you to detect and classify diverse categories of objects and scenes with a single inference API 
With, of course, high accuracy, you do not have to create separate inference APIs for each category. For example, manufacturing and industrial customers who need to identify machine parts on an assembly line and detect the brands of those parts would previously train two separate machine learning models, one for the machine parts and one for the brand logos. And they would have to host two separate inference endpoints and run inference twice on a single image. Now, you can detect both machine parts and brand logos in the same image using a single inference API. That is really, really cool. Yeah, very nifty, very performant. Speaking of performance, Amazon SageMaker Autopilot now creates machine learning models up to 40% faster with up to 200% higher accuracy. And this is even with small and imbalanced data sets. So SageMaker Autopilot is a fully managed service that makes it easy to quickly and automatically create machine learning models without requiring any prior ML or programming experience. So some of the benefits here that I won't get into uh, really give you more control over how that autopilot operates and can give you much better results very, very quickly. Amazon SageMaker Processing now supports built-in Spark containers for big data processing. So you can now use this container with Amazon SageMaker Processing to get the advantages of a fully managed Spark environment for data processing or feature engineering workloads. So when you need to ship a lot of data into your SageMaker Processing model, you now have much easier ways to do that. Amazon TextRack now supports customer S3 bucks. So you can specify an Amazon S3 bucket name and also add a prefix to the added output file. So that means that you can direct the TextRact output directly to your own Amazon S3 bucket. And you can still choose to use the GET APIs if you prefer, which were previously offered before this ability. But this new Amazon S3 output option provides you with greater flexibility to integrate TextRact, of course, into your technical architectures. TextRact also has improved accuracy of detecting currency symbols, key value pairs, and checkboxes. Uh, so they've announced quite a few quality enhancements to both the optional character recognition feature and the forms recognition feature. The new OCR model detects the degree symbol and the currency symbols of Chinese yuan and Japanese yen, Indian rupee, British pound, and the U.S. dollar more precisely than before. The latest forms model has higher accuracy on a variety of forms, especially income verification documents such as pay stubs, bank statements, tax documents. And of course, you can now leverage TextRact to more accurately detect contextual information about amounts, temperature readings, selected and not selected information in checkboxes, and key value pairs in documents with form elements. So TextRact just got a whole lot especially for any monetary documents. Transcribe has added support for AMR, OGG, and WebM file formats. Uh, so previously you were required to convert these file formats into a supported format like WAVE, FLAC, MP3, or MP4, which added maybe extra cost or scaling challenges for larger workloads. So you can now directly submit media files in AMR, AMR, WB, OGG, and WebM formats to the Transcribe APIs. Transcribe also supports Opus encoded audio for files in OGG and WebM format. Amazon Lex now offers language support for U.S. Spanish. Yay! So you can now build a Lexbot in U.S. Spanish, which um, adds support for the additional languages that already existed, which are English, Australian English, British English, and then, of course, now U.S. Spanish. 
Very, very nice. Amazon Comprehend now supports Amazon SageMaker Ground Truth training data sets for custom model training. So now you can train custom named entity recognition and custom classification models using data sets that come from SageMaker Ground Truth. And this allows you to identify terms that are specific to your industry or organization. So for example, you could instantly extract product names, financial entities, or really any term relevant to you from text data. And similarly, you can use Comprehend's custom classification to assign categories relevant to your use case to text data. So this is very powerful in terms of getting the customization you want. Moving on to the topic of management and governance. There are now some usability improvements for the AWS Management Console, which are now available. Uh, There's a new navigation header and footer. And this includes a refreshed and responsive navigation header, an easier way to add and remove services to your favorites list in the header, and an increase in the number of services you see in the recently visited section from 5 to 15. And depending on your browser support, you can also access the navigation menu items using a keyboard, which would be a good thing. We love the keyboard. <laughs> Lots of improvements. Out. I mean, I didn't spend a huge amount of time in the console, but um, these, these changes were, were pretty nifty. Got to check them out. AWS Config has added 15 new sample conformance pack templates and introduced a simplified setup experience for conformance packs. So these 15 additional sample conformance pack templates can help you verify your cloud infrastructure's compliance with one or more frameworks for configuration best practices. With these conformance packs, you can package a collection of config rules and remediation actions that can be deployed together as a single entity across an entire organization, which is super useful if you need to quickly establish a common baseline for resource configuration policies and best practices across multiple accounts in your organization in a scalable and efficient way. A conformance pack template is just a YAML template that contains a list of config managed or custom rules and remediation actions. And of course, there's 15 new ones, as I said, and this should also simplify your setup experience uh, using these, these packs. It's nice having those out of the box. Uh, There are some new AWS CloudWatch metrics for capacity monitoring on AWS Outposts. So now you can look at the used instance type count, the available instance type count, so you can see what you've got available in your particular outposts. And there also is now uh, support for Amazon CloudWatch logs, uh, has now support for two subscription filters per log group. So this means you can get a real-time feed of log events from CloudWatch logs to an Amazon Kinesis data stream or a Kinesis data firehose or AWS Lambda for any custom processing analysis or delivery to other systems. So by having the two parallel ones, you can do twice as much, which is twice as good. You can now author AWS Systems Manager automation runbooks using VS Code. So Systems Manager enables you to view, author, and publish automation runbooks, and you can now do so directly from VS Code, which is pretty freaking cool. Uh, you can use the uh, use VS Code to author runbooks faster and be more productive by starting with pre-built templates, auto-completing the code with snippets, and validating the runbook for syntax errors in real time. And then once you're finished, you can just publish the runbooks from VS Code directly to the cloud with a single click. So that's another service now supported by the toolkit for VS Code. I just love it. Every single week we've added a new one and a new one and a new one. Uh, so that's <laughs> awesome. You, you may never leave the ID ever again. <laughs> no, I might just permanently stay in VS Code. Um <laughs> Amazon EFS now integrates with AWS Systems Manager to simplify the management of EFS clients. 
so you can use Systems Manager to automate the tasks required to install the latest version of the EFS client on your EC2 instances, maintaining compliance and security by ensuring that the EFS client is kept up to date. Additionally, you can orchestrate file system mounts to multiple instances using a single command and improve visibility by monitoring the file system mount status using CloudWatch logs. And you do not need to log into your EC2 instances to manage your EFS clients. That's really awesome. So you can now just use Systems Manager to manage those clients on your instances. Uh, CloudFormation Drip Detection now supports CloudFormation Registry resource types. So with these new resource types, you can now detect unmanaged configuration changes on additional AWS resources as well as third-party or private ones. So using drift detection, which enables you to detect whether the configuration differs or has drifted from the expected configuration. And then, of course, the CloudWatch registry makes CloudFormation registry makes it easy to model and automate the management of AWS and third-party resources with the benefits of infrastructure as code. So with this new feature, you can detect drift on resource types registered within the CloudFormation registry. And this includes resource types from third parties as well as private types. It also adds support for over 90 new registry resource types, in addition to the 50 originally supported resource types, which include CloudWatch alarms, Amazon ECS clusters, and AWS config conformance packs. That's really awesome. And lastly, here in this topic... That's very nifty. Yeah. AWS CloudFormation Guard has been announced. It's now generally available. It's an open source CLI for infrastructure compliance. And it's pretty cool. So... CloudFormation Guard, or CFN-Guard, is a CLI tool that checks your CloudFormation template for policy compliance using a simple policy-as-code declarative language. Oh, I'm going to have to check this out. <laughs> so this is now GA. They had you a declarative language. <laughs> this is now GA. I clearly missed the developer preview release of this. Uh, but this, uh, this GA release simplifies the installation of CloudFormation Guard. And developers that are on Mac or Windows machines can now quickly install CFN Guard using Homebrew and Chocolatey package managers. And you can also save time installing CFN Guard RuleGen, which is a companion CLI that extracts rules from existing compliant CloudFormation templates. Because the package managers of CFN Guard include pre-built binaries for CFN Guard rule gen. So you do not have to install CFN Guard rule gen separately. And lastly, this GA release improves stability and performance of CFN Guard. Some nifty updates there. Moving on to the topic of media services, you can now have reserved outbound bandwidth for your AWS Elemental Media Connect. So you can get discounted outbound data transfer pricing using that particular service and you can reduce your transfer costs by as much as 70% based on current pricing. With a 12-month commitment to Media Connect, you can reserve outbound bandwidth in 50, 150, 500, and 1,500 megabits per second tiers in any region where Media Connect is supported. Moving on to the topic of networking and content delivery, the AWS Client VPN now supports client-to-client connectivity. So with this, you can now uh, establish a secure connection to another VPN client. So you can kind of talk to one another, which is pretty nifty. And also Amazon CloudFront has launched in two new countries, Mexico and New Zealand. Uh, so in Mexico, our two new edge locations in, and I'm going to massacre this, are uh, Taro will provide as much as 30% reduction in P90 latency measures. 
And these new edge locations are priced within CloudFront's North America geographic region. And in New Zealand, our two new edge locations in Auckland will provide viewers with as much as 50% reduction in P90 latency measures. And these are considered as part of the CloudFront Australia geographic region. And uh, Nikki, that adds two more destinations to your I must travel to every location that there is a CloudFront pop list. Yep. Post-pandemic. You have to include post-pandemic now. Post-pandemic. I will travel. (laughs) Moving on to the uh, recently added topic, quantum technologies, which is always excited when I see something in here. Amazon Bracket now offers D-Wave's Advantage Quantum System for quantum annealing. Uh, So you can now use D-Wave's Advantage System on Amazon Bracket Quantum Computing Service. The new Advantage Quantum Processing Unit has more than 5,000 qubits with 15-way connectivity to enable researchers and developers to explore larger, more complex quantum optimization problems. It provides access to two D-Wave QPUs, the Advantage QPU and the existing D-Wave 2000Q QPU. So Bracket now has both. And the new Advantage QPU has two and a half times more connectivity than the D-Wave 2000Q system, which enables the embedding of larger problems with fewer physical qubits. I look forward to seeing your first quantum program. I have to download the Bracket SDK. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> Moving on to the topic of satellite Adebis Grand Station is now available in the Africa Cape Town region. So this is the seventh region within the Adebis Global Infrastructure Network and the second region in the Southern Hemisphere, hello Southern Hemisphere, um, to offer Adebis Grand Station. So this is a fully managed service that lets you control satellite communications, process satellite data and scale your satellite operations. So it's pretty nifty and the locations in different parts of the world mean that you can see different things, which is really, really important. Onto the topic of security, identity, and compliance, the AWS centralized WAF and VPC security group management solution is now generally available. So this is a reference implementation that means you can centrally configure, manage, and audit firewall rules across your accounts and applications in AWS organizations, which makes life easy. And speaking of easy life, AWS Security Hub has had a a few new uh, improvements. Um, It has added five new partners. So it is now integrated with uh, LCD, Blue Hexagon, Palo Alto Networks, VM Series, and uh, RSA Archer. And also it now has uh, Vectra's AI Cognito integration with Security Hub for AWS GovCloud US as well. And AWS Security Hub has also added 14 new controls to AWS Foundational Security Best Practices Standard. So this relates to things like uh, EC2, EMR, KMS, RDS, Secrets Manager, etc. Security Hub now supports 90 security controls to automatically check your security posture in AWS. And you can also view your compliance and patch findings across AWS accounts in AWS Security Hub as well. So AWS Systems Manager, Patch Manager now lets you automatically send those findings to your AWS Security Hub. So again, one place to look for everything that's going on in your environment. Moving on to the topic of storage, Amazon S3 object ownership is now available to enable bucket owners to automatically assume ownership of objects uploaded to their buckets. So this is a brand new S3 feature that enables bucket owners to assume ownership of objects that are uploaded to their buckets by other AWS accounts, which helps you standardize ownership of new objects in your bucket and share and manage access to these objects at scale via resource-based policies, such as a bucket policy or an access point policy, whether you're bucket receives from other AWS accounts or stores output from AWS services like CloudTrail. S3 object ownership simplifies the work of creating and maintaining shared data sets on S3. 
AWS Backup now supports application-consistent backups of Microsoft workloads on EC2. So it now supports these backups via Microsoft's volume shadow copy services. Customers can create, manage, and restore consistent backups of their Windows Server instances and Microsoft applications, which include SQL Server, Active Directory, and Exchange Server, directly from the AWS Backup Console. You can schedule application-consistent backups, define their lifecycle policies, and perform consistent restores with AWS Backup. And now you can do so with your Microsoft workloads on EC2. Onto the topic of training and certification, there is now increased availability for AWS certification exam online proctoring. So you can now take all AWS certification exams from home or any private space with online proctoring that you schedule with either test delivery provider, which is Pearson View or PSI. And online proctoring is available anywhere AWS certification offers testing. Uh, For candidates in mainland China and South Korea, online proctor exams are only available via PSI. And there's a new course on Coursera and EDX called Building Modern Applications on AWS. And this allows you to learn from expert instructors about how to build a modern greenfield serverless backend on AWS. You'll get to explore building API-driven applications using Amazon API Gateway for serverless API hosting, AWS Lambda for serverless compute, and Amazon Cognito for serverless authentication. You also get a hands-on experience in guided labs as you look at different configurations and you study how to create and manage Lambda functions. You'll also learn how to optimize APIs throughout the entire serverless workflow using the AWS services in your choice of Java, Node.js, or Python. Self-paced, uh, on-demand, it's pretty cool. Sounds like my type of class. Nikki, lots, it does. Nikki, lots of updates there. Um, how do people get in touch with you? So you can uh, find me on Twitter, and my username is knee, as in your knee, and a key, 23. Love to hear your feedback on the podcast, as usual, and we always try to incorporate anything that you tell us. Absolutely. And we do love to get your feedback. Also old school, not snail mail, but uh, the level above snail mail. AWS podcast at amazon.com is the place to do that. Thanks again for listening. We do love to get your feedback. And until next time, keep on building.